Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with our guest host, uh, Angela Chung, again, uh, and I thought it would be great to have a, another conversation on her background and, and stuff that she does with uh, speech language pathology to help people be more confident in their communication. So when, when I heard with what you were doing, uh, I thought it was amazing. And, and a lot of my experience comes from helping uh, newcomers and international students where they speak well, like they speak English fine, um, but sometimes their confidence is not as high because uh, they are conscious, they're self-conscious about their, their accent and how they speak. And, and one thing that you mentioned before, which I found was interesting is uh, that everyone has an accent, right? Whether we think so or or not right and then another way which i feel that you uh, also help with communication is even for uh, native speakers where someone like me who's more technical more shy and introverted to be better at uh, communicating and uh, being more dynamic in, in terms of their speech which uh, I, I think i kind of am but and improving every day but uh, i mean i worked hard to, to kind of get to that point so i love for you to share a little bit more on slp and and how it can help folks be more confident in their communication yeah, for sure. So first of all, thank you for having me back. Um, there is a lot of what we do and we do, you know, accent modification, we do presentation skills, we do interviewing skills. So we do a lot. And one of our clients is the the immigrant or the newcomer and young students or older students, actually. And so with these kind of people, they often come here and they, they know English already, but then there's that pronunciation piece. And then they notice that there's something different about the way that they speak versus, you know, their coworker or um, their friend. So what we do is we help them recognize what's different and the impact of that difference. Some differences matter a lot and it can interfere with your clarity, but some differences don't matter that much. And that's something that they can embrace. But they don't know until someone tells them. So that's that's what the SLP role is. Now, not every speech language pathologist will work on this kind of thing. Sure. So, so you have to find the right person. So I can think of, let's say, someone who's been in Canada for three years, and they came to me wanting to work on their accent because they don't feel confident. And I talked through these things with her. Now, intonation and stress, the way our pitch varies and the way we sound loud over some words and sound quieter for some less important words matter a lot in how uh, we present ourselves. So these things really matter for if we seem confident versus not confident. And I talked about all of these things with my client. One of my clients said um, she works with a lot of macho guys and she is... She's a, she's a woman from, I think, Russia or something like that. And she said that she feels very not confident in her voice when she speaks English. But when she speaks Russian, she's, she sounds very confident, but she hates her voice in English. Right, so that's okay. one of the things I worked on with her. Cool. And, and what would you say are, are some of the most common challenges that, uh, well, well, let's talk about newcomers first, that, that, that folks will come to you for. Are, and part of it is uh, why they would go to an, an SLP, a speech language pathologist, is that uh, people often don't even notice. They don't know what they don't know. Oh, exactly. I didn't know that was, that was in, incorrect or wrong or different or whatever. So obviously they need to come to you from, from that perspective. But some things that maybe folks could do on their own to say, okay, hmm, 
yeah, I do do that. Or, or maybe they could record themselves on, on, on Zoom or on their phone or whatever to, to kind of play back and see. But sometimes you still can't hear. But what are some of the co common things that, that folks might be able to, to identify and kind of practice on, on their own? Yeah, that's something that's really helpful, actually, the thing that you mentioned, recording yourself and listening back. No one likes doing that, but I, I guarantee like you, if you listen to yourself in a recording, you'll be able to have some kind of objective feedback for yourself even. Right. When you're talking in the moment, it's very hard to self-monitor. I noticed when I looked at, re at a recording of myself, in, in fact, our recording, I did a lot of ums at the beginning of sentences, and right. I often had common uh, phrases that I put in, like, okay, all right, you know, um, and I, things like that. So when you're able to, when you, when you listen to yourself, sorry, when you listen to yourself, you're able to hear those things a lot more objectively. So that's something to do. Some other common things is, some other common things are people trail off at the ends of their sentences mm -hmm. instead of having that strong voice right up till the end. Especially with newcomers, I find that they get a little bit self-conscious and they don't want people to hear what they sound like. So they end up doing some mumbling and then they kind of have a quiet voice at the end of the sentence. They don't want I people to hear. So you'll say something like this and then you exactly. trail off. Like that sort of exactly. Thing. So notice if you do that. And I often tell the clients that I work with, have a strong voice right till the end of the sentence mm -hmm. instead of have a strong voice right to the end of the sentence. That's what <laughs> okay. they do. That's right. what they do. So something to watch out for, for sure. That's, that's awesome. So that's one of those things where I, I, I totally get the, the aspect of, not, I hate hearing the sound of my own voice in recording, but it, it is one of those things where it, it, it allows you to grow. And, and if you can actually put yourself and, and say, you know what, I'm here to help the, the person on the other side of this recording. And that person just happens to be you. <laughs> then that often can, can, can help with, with uh, some of the, the, the perspectives. And I think those are great where filler words like ums or us, I have been practicing for a long time to try to get rid of them. I do, still do them all the time, right? And not as much as I used to. So you can just imagine how a presentation that I would do might've been a couple of years ago, but it is definitely one thing that uh, folks can, can uh, improve on. And the simple thing for a uh, filler word, for, for my perspective or, or my experience, just insert a small pause instead. So avoid saying the word altogether and a pause. So I don't know if you have any other techniques to avoid kind of filler words. And I definitely and do that actually. I actually worked with a client today who did a lot of filler words and did a lot of backtracking, starting a sentence and then revising that and then starting another sentence. Mm -hmm. So that's what I tell him, the pausing instead of having those uhs and ums. And actually sometimes he did like a, a small sound, like if he was saying, oh, I uh, understand. So it wasn't a full uh, but it was kind of like the start of the next word. And so I told him, you know, take your time. You can put in a pause, stretch out some of those words a bit slower. So the overall pace of your conversation is slower. This is especially good for presentations. If you watch some of the best TED Talks and yeah. some of the TED Talks that you really resonate with, oftentimes the speakers are speaking at maximum 150 words per minute. Okay. At my normal pace, I probably speak at around 180 words per minute. But when you're presenting new information and when you want to take the time to make sure you're covering everything that you want to cover and taking the time to enunciate every word, you want to slow down. 
yes, those are a bunch of things. And I wish I had an SLP when I was on my journey because I tend to speak very quickly and I probably am, I don't know, maybe 200 words a minute on, on occasion. So I, I definitely can speak quickly. And I have the tendency to mumble and keep my mouth covered about that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So learning to enunciate and say each word, not necessarily every single syllable, but mm-hmm. to, to definitely to open your mouth a little bit more definitely has, has helped me in, in communicating. And again, I don't feel that I'm the world's greatest communicator by any stretch of the imagination. I <laughs> one day might get a, a TED talk if, if, if anybody thinks that, that I'm worthy for that. But for me, it, it's just being able to be more confident in communication, which I think is, is, is super awesome. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I, I get that. Yeah, and then we were doing a session and there were some kind of commonalities based on kind of the different parts of the world where there are certain tendencies that, that folks have. Uh, would you be able to share any particular ones that in a particular part of the world, there tends to be uh, a certain dynamic in how they speak and, and something to look out for when, when, when they're speaking, if, if any of them are from those particular regions? Yeah, so one of the features that affects how you present yourself, the confidence bit, is the intonation. Mm. Now, if you think about any tonal language, like Mandarin, mm. they use tones to, to uh, differentiate between certain words that might sound the same, but just the tone is different. Right. So for them, the tone is attached to the word. And in English, tone is not attached to the word. I can say yes, 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 in many different ways and with different tones. But Mandarin speakers often have difficulty with this. And Mm. I see this a lot with Vietnamese speakers as well. They tend to be a little bit more monotone because Mm. they have difficulty changing their intonation. So that's something that I often work on with my Mandarin speakers, especially if they're in a role where they want to sound confident, if they're doing presentations, if they are having a lot of meetings, if they are some kind of manager they want to sound confident and they want to be able to give instructions in a way that brings people's attentions, brings people's attention to the important bits. So that's what I work on with them. That's amazing. And do you have a couple of other ones where, I mean, there are folks from South Asia, from uh, Latin America or South America, uh, maybe just to kind of cover the globe a little bit with a couple of uh, observations. Yeah, sure. So, so I covered kind of East Asia. So in India, the, the tone is also one of them, where they have that rising intonation in the middles of their sentences and at the ends of their sentences. And what this often sounds like is uncertainty because it sounds like a question. Mm. So if I said this often sounds like uncertainty because right. it sounds like a question, that's the kind of intonation pattern that you hear. And also in uh, India, you'll often hear that a lot of the sounds sound quite similar. So in order to achieve clarity across a whole conversation, you need to make sure that the sounds sound distinct. Do the yeah. T's sound like T's or do they sound like D's? Do the R's sound like D's or do they sound like R's? Or do the TH's sound like TH's? So things to think about. Are the consonants distinct? Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of Latin American countries, uh, I work on vowels a lot. Okay. So they have a whole different vowel system. And in North American English, it's very important to have different uh, vowel sounds. So the I versus the E, it makes a difference between our words like fit and feet, mm. right? Or um, let's say cut and caught and cat. These are all very distinct, but in Latin American countries, they have a different vowel system and they kind of group together more vowels. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah I mean, this is one where I don't know if I 
intentionally uh, pick those out when I speak to someone in, in, from those backgrounds, but I can potentially observe and see if, if I can pick them out and, and, and maybe help a couple of people and then obviously send them over to you <laughs> when I can't get any further with, with some of their help and development. So um, what are some of the things that folks can do to gain a little bit more awareness? So you talked about like recording themselves. So that's obviously one of the, the, the great dynamics. Um, I, I mean, when, when I get folks to reflect on, on on their careers just something as simple as journaling would would help but that obviously doesn't help with a, a vocal <laughs> type of thing is, is are there any other uh things that folks could do uh, on their own before they uh, kind of see you seek and uh, seek out your expert advice um for things that people can do on their own is i guess doing your research and being aware of all the different features that could be different or different features to watch out for in your own speech. So we already talked about the filler words. We already talked about the intonation, sounding confident versus ver versus sounding like you're uncertain um, with that rising intonation. We also talked about the clarity of the consonants and the vowels. One thing that uh, you could also watch out for when you're comparing your own speech to maybe a TED talk is listen to how you project your voice. Okay. So I work on that as well. Do you kind of talk in a little space right in front of you or do you project your voice across the room? Right. So these are, these are all different features that you can definitely Google and just listen back to yourself and just go through each, each thing mm -hmm. and see how you do. And for sure. And I find that for uh, newcomers, when they're made aware of these things, then it obviously takes some time for them to adapt and change their um, mannerisms because, well, they're, they're used to doing it, that they've done it for, for a lifetime. But practice and, and putting that in, into practice, maybe getting other people to, to help, uh, even doing something like like a Toastmasters, where yeah. it's, it's about public speaking, and it's it's really just forced practice, right? You have to show up on a, well, technically, you don't have to, but you sign up to sign to go every week, and they have a program and curriculum, and people are there to, to grow and being in that environment where, where people are learning and getting better, uh, oftentimes that can, that can help. So, um, so on the subject of more confident communication, not necessarily on the accent side, but for those that, that maybe have, have just graduated and, and they're looking to become more confident, or maybe they're just kind of shy and introverted, what are some of the things that uh, they could potentially look out for, uh, for uh, on their own kind of habits and, and, and behaviors that uh, would help them become more confident communicators? I, I guess a lot of the, the same things would, would relate. And uh, are, are there other ones that are specific more to kind of native speakers when doing kind of interviews and presentations that, that folks could look out for? Um, yeah, so I'm working with a few native speakers of English right now, um, and there are definitely some things that they can improve. So oftentimes they're working on presentations, maybe they're going to conferences, or maybe they're preparing for interviews. So in this case, you want to present yourself as the most interesting and the most well-suited person for whatever task that is. And oftentimes that looks like you being the person that people want to listen to. If you are monotone, if you are mumbling, people don't want to listen to you. People will fall asleep. They can't help it. There's just not enough variety in their voice and maybe even in their content to, mm -hmm. to make people want to listen to you. So I'll talk about all these different things as well. Sometimes um, the content of their, their message is redundant. And when things are too redundant and there isn't enough variety in there, people don't want to listen. So I'll, in my assessments anyway, I'll get them to do different tasks and see if they are able to explain a certain concept really well. Are they concise? 
if you're not concise and you go on on tangents and you use five sentences to describe one thing that can be described in one sentence, then that's probably something that you want to work on. And this is these things can be true for um, whether you're a native speaker of English or non-native. Anyone can work on these things. Right, and I'll reflect back on some of the time I've had as an interviewer, where I think one of my biggest pet peeves is that person who rambles, and especially the one who doesn't even answer the question, where they say yeah. something and they keep going, and like you have, well, but what does that relate to what I just asked you? How does that even make sense in that? So definitely, to get the redundant message, definitely, totally, absolutely, <laughs> get the, but taking away some of the redundant messaging, being more clear and concise can help. And oftentimes that just takes practice, right? You say the same thing over and over again, say, did I really need to say that? Did I really need to say this other part? And yeah. the interview, I mean, some of the coaching that I provide, which is separate from the SLP side is to just uh, write down and say, what would you want to say if, if, if you if you could, and then have the time. And then you have to practice saying that and then saying, okay, did I say extra? Did I say uh, too little? And, and that sort of thing. Um, on the topic of, of monotone and mumbling is there any specific things that that you could do to kind of suggest how to get rid of uh, or to improve those well if it's not something that you were able to improve on your own you probably want to take some kind of uh, some kind of third party to give you some kind of objective feedback and that's that's what the slps are for but if you can't recognize that you know you're being monotone and you can't do it in, even in a single word, then that's probably where you want some help. But usually, people are able to break it down into easier parts first. So that's what I will do as well: break it down e into easier parts. Let's say, for example, the sentence is: "This is the most important thing to remember." Mm -hmm. I have a lot of vocal variation in my voice, but I could also make it monotone. This is the most important thing to remember. And right. you can hear that there isn't a lot of highs and a lot of lows. So the most important thing in that sentence is important thing. So you can just try to take that small phrase, important thing, and try to bring a lot of variation into your voice and do those highs and do those lows, and then slowly build it up into longer sentences and try it like that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a skill to work on. Right. So for those folks that talk like a robot and there's not much activity going up and down, then they'll consciously pick a word or two in the sentence that they feel is important to kind of go higher, lower, whatever it uh, makes sense for in that particular sentence. Exactly. And I guess for mumbling, it sounds like that. Well, for me, it was just opening up my mouth. Yes, exaggerating <laughs> your facial expressions. That's what I always say. Pretend you're an actor. Pretend you're in a drama. Be. It'll feel uncomfortable, but you'll get used to it. That's awesome. So I think that's a lot of uh, very useful feedback. Is, is there anything specific to folks? Uh, I know we talked off there about folks that are like defending their theses, like in, in that particular content. Um, well, those folks would be, might be a little bit more more technically oriented. Um, I, I mean, all everything else that we talked about obviously applies. Is there anything specific on, on that side that folks might want to look out for? Yeah, for sure. So you have to know your audience, right? Mm. Even when I was in school, they always taught us watch out for jargon. Mm. Are, are you using acronyms that the other person might not know? Always explain the acronym the first time you use it. Right. Um, do a really good introduction explaining terms if you need to. So people are oriented to your message at, right from the start. 
that's amazing. I think we did say SLP stands for speech language pathologist, but I think we did say that. <laughs> then that's a, a clarification of that uh, acronym. And, and I, I don't know, is, is pathologist uh, jargon? No, that's a, a, a title and a, and a person. So hopefully that's- It's uh, a title and I don't use it very much in my own work because pathologist usually implies that something is wrong, that mm. there's a pathology or a disorder, but that's not really what we do. We just work on better communication in general. Yeah. Confident communication educator or something like that, right? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe rebrand yourselves. And in, in. <laughs> um, I, I think that, that that's amazing. I think it gives a lot of uh, wonderful and useful feedback for folks in order to kind of uh, improve their confidence in their communication, whether you're a newcomer, whether you're someone who's learning to be more dynamic in your presentations or sell yourself in an interview or defend your thesis, right? And obviously, if any of those kind of eluded you, well, then uh, talk to Angela, <laughs> talk to one of our team members and uh, get some of those objective um, observations and, and, and notes to say, okay, well, here are some areas to uh, improve and, and, and get um, better and, and more confident in your communication. So uh, are, are there any other uh, kind of parting words or other like the, the stuff I wish I knew early that you had as you were kind of on your journey to uh, kind of learning some of these techniques um, and, and kind of helping others along the way? I think one tip for my past self and for anyone <laughs> listening is always keep in mind who your audience is. Okay. So when I was going through my clinical placements, I often worked with the patients who had a stroke or a brain injury or had some kind of difficulty with language, but I'm a fast speaker and mm -hmm. I really needed to learn how to slow down and check for understanding. So you as a communicator, when you're talking with your conversation partner, notice, do you need to slow down? Are you losing them? Do you need to be more engaging? How do you be more engaging? Do you need to be louder? Is the person across the room able to hear you? So always mm -hmm. keep in mind what your audience needs. That's interesting because that's actually something that if you take some certain types of sales training, they, they coach you on as well to match and mirror someone's voice, right? So yeah. if we were to speak to me or, or, or you, then they would speed up their talking and they would go a little bit faster because that we tend to speak a little bit quicker. And then other folks, they might slow down a little bit because they take their time to communicate. And when you tend to speak at the same pace as someone else, they tend to like you more. That's <laughs> just kind of human nature. And, and they even go as much to say, well, to, to match in your, like the, the pitch and the tone, right? And obviously you don't want to uh, over-exaggerate with someone, right? Um, but Unless you're talking to a kid, right? <laughs> Unless you're talking to a kid, absolutely. Because that's something you, you naturally do where you uh, have your, your, your kid voice and, and then kind of a regular voice, at least I do. I try to catch myself and speak normally to my kids instead of the, the, the kiddie voice. Cause I'm like, well, I, I want to treat them as adults and stuff. But I think yeah. that's a very uh, great advice um, to help know your audience and, and um, to slow down and I guess check for understanding. Are, are there any specific um, kind of tools that, that you would suggest to, to help check for, for understanding? And, and just like, did you get that? Is, is it as simple as that? Or is, is there some other ways to, to do that? Facial expressions are usually pretty good. Gotcha. It doesn't interrupt what you're saying. So you don't always have to say, okay, wait, did you get that? Or did you understand that? Do you have any questions? Just look at their eyes. Usually if they have a blank stare, then they don't understand. Mm -hmm. If they're engaged and nodding along, then they understand. So usually people are pretty good about reading facial expressions. If you have difficulty with that, or if you aren't sure, then you can ask, ask them for sure. Yeah. 
And sometimes it, it's having that knowledge from someone else because as an external uh, observer, you see a lot of things that uh, to your point about like, well, you can't really self-monitor when you're communicating. So get that uh, external help, get someone else to kind of point out and yeah, be open to that, that growth and, and ability to say, you know what? Yeah, I could do that better, right? So n- none of us are perfect, but if you want to get better uh, and you, you don't have to have like a naturalized accent, right? Your accents are, are perfect. And, and for some of them, they're, they're quite sexy and awesome, right? <laughs> some people sound sm- smarter when they have an accent, right? So don't uh, um, shy away from, from an accent in that regard. But if it's something that you feel you need to overcome in order to uh, improve your confidence, then definitely um, it, it's really up to you. But uh, thanks so much, Angela, for sharing some insights on being a more confident communicator and how uh, something like a, an SLP could, could help folks in doing that. So we'll definitely share all of your information in, in the show notes. And, and if folks want to reach out and uh, engage you in your services, uh, I, I think they would be well served and uh, there'll be a lot of great things they can learn. So, and hopefully we'll have you back uh, on, on a future episode to talk about other things. So thanks so much, Angela. Awesome. I hope that helped. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.